Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? Welcome to episode 19 of the Plant Witch Podcast. In this episode, we are talking about the Huntress. She moves quietly through the forest, every sight and sound, every change in air pressure and temperature, every leaf quiver registers as a sensation in her body-mind. She is one with the forest and all who dwell there. Her body perfectly attuned to life on earth. And she is also tied to the moon, connected to her cosmic ancestry. Her earthy sensuality, her cosmic power, her proficiency and skill as a huntress all made her irresistible to men. And yet, she had a lifelong vow of chastity. It is said that Orion, her hunting partner, became enamored with her and could not accept her rejection. He continued to pursue her, leading to his tragic death. Some say that he was killed by Artemis herself. Some say that her twin brother Apollo struck the fatal blow. While others claim that the earth herself rose up to protect the huntress in the form of a poisonous scorpion. Orion's form remains forever etched upon the night sky. Just like our queen of the crossroads, our dark mother, Artemis is also considered a torchbearer. She is a guide and a protector of innocence, particularly the innocence of children and young girls. Because Artemis' mother, Leto, was forced into a dangerous childbirth without the help of attendants, Artemis rose to the occasion as a newborn to aid her mother in delivering Apollo her twin brother, nine days younger. She continues to be an aide to women in childbirth and to oversee women's health. Artemis was said to have a bear companion. She and the bear were seen together frequently in the forests of ancient Greece. One day, a child came upon the bear, startling it, and the bear raised its paws in surprise, scratching the child's face. The child ran home to her village, frightened but barely injured. The men of the village flew into a protective rage, hunted the bear, and killed it. The child wept into the fur of the dead bear as it hung in the town square. She had never meant for harm to to befall the creature. Just then, Artemis had come looking for her bear companion and came upon his body in the village square. 
Her rage began to rise and boil. Artemis was known to act quickly in vengeance and to strike down anyone who crossed her. Prepared to unleash her rage upon the entirety of this village, she heard the muffled cries of the child. Mercy filled her heart, but a price must be paid. She took the child to her temple, where the child would live out her days learning the ways of the bear. At the end of her long life, when the young girl was an elder crone bear, she returned to her village. She told them of her magical life in the temple and took them to see the sacred spring that Artemis had called forth by shooting an arrow into the ground. The people of the town erected a temple at the sacred spring at Brauron. The children of that village would offer their daughters to come to the temple and learn the ways of the wild, the ways of the bear, and to be companions to Artemis as well as her temple priestesses. These children and maidens came to be called the Arctoi, the little bears of Artemis. In this way, the lineage of the crone would be passed to the young girls of the village, and the wisdom of wild women would be protected, ensured, and passed on. This was Artemis' way of guarding the sovereignty of the wild and of the woman. When women remember the ways of the bear, the ways of the wild, and the playful, and the sensual, they remain pure and sovereign. They remain powerful. Only when women are domesticated and taught to ignore and repress their wild joy and sensual power can a woman be controlled and manipulated and disempowered. A woman whose wild has been caged is in danger of projecting the shadow feminine nature, which is a destructive force on our planet. Unlike the huntress moving in attunement with the world and in touch with the wholeness of her wild self, empowered and empowering and deeply connected to the sacred nature of life, the caged woman is in constant pain. She has been pruned too severely. The places where her selfhood have been amputated or repressed leave weeping wounds and an endless ache. The constant pain drives women to hurt others as a projection of their own untended pain. This often manifests as the sister wound where women lash out to burn, pierce, and destroy their sisters who are still connected to their wild. The pain of seeing a wild woman is too great for the caged woman, and so she lashes out. This comes in the form of toxic gossip, sabotage, othering, cancel culture, suspicion, impossible standards of purity or success, it is also internalized as perfection paralysis, self-hatred, self-sabotage, addiction. Unlike the bear woman who knows the ways of the wild 
and lives in connection to her deep joy and belonging here on earth. The caged woman is like the zoo bear, pacing, neurotic, self-harming, dangerous in her unpredictability. She can turn on people in an instant in an unpredictable way. Her reactions out of proportion to the injury because she is filled with a volcano of untended pain. The huntress has come close to women in these times. She whispers to us the ways of her titan aunt Celine, the moon. She reminds us to honor our cycles. She fills our noses with the smells of leaf rot and rain-soaked earth. She gives us shivers as we watch lightning dance across the sky. She fills our dreams with snakes and bears and stags and hounds and nymphs and freshwater pools to swim naked in. She turns our minds to herbal teas and away from the health-destroying soft drinks. She whispers to take off our shoes in the grass and to feel the dew. She is the wild woman who throws off her clothes to jump into the lake. She is the one who stops by the side of the road to tend the injured hawk or owl. Just as Hecate is gathering an enormous following on earth today, Artemis, our wild huntress, is calling to the hearts of men and women to arouse us from our destructive stupor. Awaken, children, she bellows. Your complicity in this world-eating machine is dangerously close to annihilating you and the web of life. Come to the temple, children. Learn the way of the bear. Become Arctoi. Grow fur. Eat honey. Rub your spines on the rough bark of the oak. Lie on your back and gaze at the moon. Drink fresh water from the spring. Remember the gift of this life. And in remembering the gift and deeply feeling the miracle of this precious life, we become fierce protectors of this world. My coven sisters and I began working with the huntress over the past year or two. As we called in her energy to show us how to set our sights and aim true in our work of bringing healing to our community, we began to blend herbal medicines in her honor. Our elder priestess blended a tea in her honor called the Huntress, which includes red clover, meadowsweet, mint, wormwood, mugwort, and sage, herbs sacred to the rural people as food and medicine. This tea is nourishing to the body, balancing to the hormones, strengthening of the womb and the digestive organs. It carries the energy of fortifying the bodies of women through all stages of life which deeply echoes the energy of the huntress. I crafted an herbal salve called Hands of the Huntress, which is filled with backyard medicinals that Artemis might come across as she moves through the hedgerows. I imagine her moving stealthily with her hounds, her bow at the ready, picking leaves and flowers to soothe scrapes and bites that she encounters in the wild. Some of the plants in this salve are dead nettle, Chickweed, dock, comfrey, plantain, yarrow, lavender, cinquefoil, self-heal. 
The herbs are steeped long and slow in olive oil and then blended with beeswax to make a salve. Every time I apply this salve to bites, burns, or scrapes, I imagine the hands of Artemis reaching through the green world to awaken the wild healing power within. Amethyst, selenite, moonstone, and quartz are stones that carry the energy of the moon and the huntress. Amethyst is said to be the name of a beautiful young maiden that was pursued by Dionysus. To protect her chastity, Artemis turned her to stone. After seeing what he had done, Dionysus cried purple tears of regret, which stained the stone purple. In her crystal form, Amethyst carries the energy of healing and the high vibrations of the divine mind to remind us all of the power of our actions and to help us ground ourselves in the healing energies of truth, our true nature. My coven sisters and I have worked with many goddesses over the past few years. Last year, we focused on Kiridwen, the bestower of Awen, or wisdom. We coordinated monthly moon gatherings in her honor called Kiridwen's Grove Gatherings. As we brought this sacred energy into our community in an intentional way, our own magic grew stronger. Our craft became more focused our synergy and harmony amplified. Tomorrow, we will have the ribbon cutting of our sacred apothecary and healing center called Symmetry Holistic Collective. It is a sanctuary for magical people to experience healing and community and to find tools and products to aid in their magical workings. The products that we have made together in honor of the divine energies are available in our online shop, I hope you'll check it out at symmetryholisticcollective.com. If you're local to York, Pennsylvania, I hope you'll stop by tomorrow, June 25th, for our grand opening. Bringing together our deep love of magic and divinity with the mundane world of business and commerce has presented us with so many opportunities to hone our practice and our craft. Remaining deeply true to our ethics to our wildness, to our devotion to the wholeness of the fabric of life has been a constant and difficult dance. My phrase for this year has been right action and nothing has given me more opportunity to explore right action than opening a business with dear friends and coven sisters during a pandemic in a predatory capitalist culture. The mother makes her children strong by exercising their will and their compassion. May she make us strong and worthy. I'm going to end this podcast with a gospel that I live by. It is called the Black Sheep Gospel, and you can find it on page 79 of Tokopah Turner's book, Belonging, Remembering Ourselves Home. Give up your vows of silence which only serve to protect the old and the stale. Unwind your vigilance, soften your belly, open your jaw and speak the truth you long to hear. Be the champion of your right to be here. Know that it is you who must first accept your rejected qualities 
adopting them with the totality of your love and commitment. Aspire to let them never feel outside of love again. Venerate your too muchness with an ever renewing vow to become increasingly weird and eccentric. Send out your signals of originality with frequency and constancy, honoring whatever small trickle of response you might get until you reach a momentum. Remember that your offering needs no explanation. It is its own explanation. Go it alone until you are alone with others. Support each other without hesitation. Become a crack in the network that undermines the great towers of establishment. Make your life a wayfinding, a proof that we can live outside the usual grooves. Brag about your escape. Send your missives into the network to be reproduced let your symbols be adopted and adapted and transmitted broadly into the new culture we're building together. Thank you for listening and for being a black sheep as we build a new world together. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me, and it's time to come back to life.